I said, it's been really weird to navigate this darkness and loss while literally at the same time wanting and still needing to put inspiration out in the world to make pretty stuff and those two things literally happening at the same time. And it's taught me those two things can exist together, that bad, dark experiences can absolutely be happening while you are moving forward, while you're making art, while you're having that buzz in the studio, while you're painting, while you're going through this hard stuff. Hi, I'm Daphne Cohn. Welcome to the Creativity Habit Podcast, where I have conversations with the artists and makers who use creativity to make this world a better, saner, more beautiful place to live. Alyssa Burke was born into a family of full-time artists. Art was the one thing she knew for sure. She grew up thinking she'd be a full-time artist just like her mom and dad. And then she got older. She graduated from college and entered the world of bills and responsibilities. It was too hard. She abandoned her dream of being a full-time artist, relegating art to the side while holding down day job after day job, often two at a time. All the while, she made art in the evenings and on the weekends, slowly building a following through her blog, art shows, and teaching, until finally, 10 years later, she made the leap. Today, Alyssa has dozens of online classes and retreats. She's the author of several books, including coloring books, art journals, and how-to mixed media guides. Her work has been featured on TV and in magazines like Better Homes and Garden, The Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, HGTV, Bon Appetit, PBS, Reader's Digest, Disney, and more. And her dream of becoming a full-time artist has become her reality. In this very candid interview, Alyssa talks about everything from miscarriage and how art pulled her through what was one of the hardest years of her life, to the challenges of being a full-time artist, what happened when she got really brave and just put herself out there, how to find your own creative voice amongst the millions of others, and what it took for Alyssa to leave the world of a steady paycheck in healthcare and leap into the world of art, dreams, and freedom. May you enjoy this conversation and may it inspire you to make your thing and change your world. Welcome, Alyssa, to the Creativity Habit Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. As you may or may not know, I begin every interview with looking at your creativity story as a little girl. How did creativity show up for you as a little girl? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, I feel really, really fortunate because um, I grew up with parents who were self-employed potters. So I grew up um, with a pottery studio at home and people running a business around me. So I honestly can't remember a time when creativity wasn't a part of my life. And I feel so fortunate because I've run into so many people that don't have that experience. So now in hindsight, I know how fortunate and blessed I was to um, to have that environment. So I, I don't know. I can remember at five knowing I wanted to be an artist. <laughs> um, and my entire life was just surrounded by, especially my childhood creativity, as well as entrepreneurs um, and a lot of creatives. So because my parents um, were running a business from home and creating and had a studio at home, we ran into a lot of other creatives. So at a really early age, it was just like creativity was normal um, for me. And it was really, I think there hasn't been a lot of easy stuff in my life, but this was the one easy thing where it was just so easy for me to tap into at a really early age 
making art, creativity, even having conversations about what it would look like to have a creative career. So I can remember even at like six, seven, eight, getting to sell my own art in my parents' um, gallery that they owned in their um, travels that they sold their art. So um, I honestly can't remember a time when I haven't known or experienced and, and had been uh, surrounded by um, creativity. So for me, that kind of just laid the foundation for really the rest of my life and everything that I did after that. So... Um, yeah, I feel pretty grateful for that too now as an adult. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. So you mentioned that at five, you knew you wanted to be an artist. And this is interesting because you have something that you said, and it speaks directly to this that I wanted to ask you about. So I'll just go right in, which is in 2007, you wrote this on your blog. So you've been blogging for quite a while. You said, I have been chasing the dream of being an artist for the last 15 years and am still paying off my college education in painting. I have taken crappy jobs in order to work as a painter on the side. I have thrown myself into the gallery world and often felt out of place and not happy. I have put so much of my energy obsessing over how I could just be an artist and support myself. Being a creative soul can sometimes be very tasking. There have been times when I look at friends who are happy working their jobs and just living day to day and wonder, why can't I be like that? My life has forever been haunted by this desire to paint, to make things, and to pursue an alternative lifestyle. But I think the last few years, I've finally come to terms with the fact that being an artist is who I am. It flows through my veins, and whether I'm painting something alone in my studio that no one will ever see, or if I'm painting for a gallery show, or if I'm painting for a book, it doesn't matter, even if I still have to work a job just a little longer. So I wanted to talk about that journey of knowing at five that you want to be an artist and then this idea of having to learn to just be an artist, like coming to terms with the fact that being an artist is who you are. Like what happened, but not just between five and coming to terms with that, but how you came to terms with it? Yeah, well, I think, you know, when you're a kid and you're creative, um, you, it's simple. <laughs> There's so much simplicity in it. And I think just like everything else, when you grow up, you know, you start learning how complicated life can be. And um, then you get into jobs and paying bills. Um, so I think the first part of that is <clears throat> I definitely, you know, I pursued creativity and did all kinds of stuff growing up, even studied it in college. But it wasn't until the reality of money and a job um, and paying the bills collided with my creativity and my my love and desire to be an artist where it was like a huge wake up call, you know, maybe 18, 19, 20, where I was like, oh, I don't, this isn't so easy. This isn't like just going out and getting a job kind of thing. I'm really going to have to figure this out. And um, in between that and just needing to live life and pay bills and uh, pay back student loans and pay for college and all that good stuff, um, I had to go do things that did not fulfill, you know, my plan with creativity and wanting to do that full time. And so I spent like, oh gosh, a number of years just having to come to terms with what if I never have a creative job? 
what if I'm never able to be a full-time artist? And when I wrote that in 2007, I was still working a job. I was actually working two jobs and trying to have this side hustle with my art at the same time, just always trying to figure out some sort of place or opportunity that would be what at the time I, I wanted like a break, like my big break that I could pay my bills with my art, not that day job. And in the thick of it, I finally, I think the minute I just came to terms with, okay, Alyssa, if for the rest of your life you have to sit at a cubicle and work for somebody else, you're still an artist and you are, this is who you are and you don't have to necessarily, you're definitely defined by it, but even if I, I was never able to quit that job and start my own business and paint all day long, um, I still would be an artist and it still would be something, it's like breathing to me. I need it in my life, whether I'm doing it for a career or not. And I think the minute I started, I really had a moment because I was very unhappy <laughs> um, not doing that full time and having to work for other people and really hustle to pay the bills and that kind of thing. I think the minute I started um, really coming to terms with the fact that art doesn't have to look like a career was the minute I just kind of relaxed about it. And um, even though I was still side hustling my art and really still trying to pursue that, I became a little bit more content just in the moment. And I'm not somebody who lives in the moment very easily. So um, those years of juggling two day jobs and trying to do my art, I, I kind of relaxed a little bit. And it wasn't until I relaxed that things really started to take off. And I don't know if it was a coincidence or timing. I still can't figure any of that out or if it was just me letting go of just like, like you know, I was like squeezing that dream so tight that it almost didn't have room to breathe. And the minute I let go of even my unhappiness with it all was the minute I kind of had ideas and new inspiration and kind of went a different route with it all. And that's when things began to snowball and really take off for my creative career. So I hope that answers. Yeah, that's an amazing answer, actually, because it speaks to, there's another artist that I interviewed, Catherine, who calls herself the hotel artist. And uh -huh. it was the same thing where she said, I realized that what you resist persists. And when I could yeah. let go of that, yeah. it changed. So yeah. you say, when you let go of that, you begin to take a different route. How did the yeah. route change? Um, I, you know, for a while, and, and my journey has taken a long time. I'm 42. I've worked day jobs for so long. Um, so, you know, over a span, when it, my letting go really looked like probably about 10 years, <laughs> five to 10 years of, um, like, instead of always trying to make something happen, I decided to focus more on, like, smaller moments um, I volunteer, started volunteering my time doing different stuff, and that was kind of how I fell into teaching art. I started volunteering um, my services with teaching um, painting to nonprofits and kids and going into classrooms that they're like, I never saw an end result in that the way I was always seeking like my break. Like, you know, I wanted, I was looking for kind of a way to pay the bills. But the minute I loosened up, I gave myself permission to see my job that I had to go into every day as what was giving me a safety net 
to explore and take risks. And if I let go of needing to find my big creative break <laughs> with, with my art, I could really explore things that might not pay the bills, but might fit with me. And I could really, it was like a puzzle. So I started kind of doing things that didn't necessarily pay and enabled me to discover stuff. And that's when I actually fell in love with teaching art. And I had never really thought about it outside of higher education. You know, I for a while, I thought I'd go back to grad school and, and become a college art teacher, but I never thought about like teaching, um, teaching um, painting to a nonprofit women's domestic violence group, that kind of stuff. And when I did, I'm like, oh, well, wait a second, this is really cool. I love this. Um, I loved going into classrooms with kids and just volunteering my time. And um, that was when I kind of had a little moment of like, this is fun and this fulfills something and I don't know how I would make money from it, but I like the way this feels. And I started doing more stuff like that and it wasn't necessarily all like volunteer stuff, but stuff that felt more risky where I took out the need for money and just saw my day job as a means to an end, as my safety net to take risks that you know, if I was a full-time artist, as I know now, you don't have the ability to just all of a sudden shift gears for six months and volunteer your time because you still have to pay bills. So um, after kind of making that shift in my brain, I began discovering things that I didn't learn in college as an art student, um, that I wouldn't have learned working at a gallery or showing art, that kind of thing. I started learning like this alternative path that Along the way, again, in hindsight, I really see that there were things that really defined me and laid the foundation for what I'm doing right now. It's interesting because you said that you were able to take these risks that and, and <clears throat> change course and try different things that then led you to different understandings about what you like and different paths you could pursue. <clears throat> and you said that that's different than now as a full-time artist. You can't just change course so easily because this is your whole career. Yeah. Do you find being a full-time artist that it's it's both freeing but and restrictive? Because a lot of times Absolutely. we think the full <laughs> being the full-time artist is the end goal. And so I'm yeah. curious, yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I have to say that first. Um, and I also knew this because I have two parents who were full-time artists and I watched that my entire life. So it was familiar to me and it wasn't something that shocked me. And I, I knew that if I ever was to become a full-time artist and entrepreneur, I knew I would be confined by certain things. Um, I knew there'd be ups and downs and there would not be that consistency that sometimes, oftentimes working for somebody else provides. So yes, being um, and doing what I do now, it's super flexible and free. And I think from the outside, people would go, whoa, that's a really cool way to live. But from the inside, um, there is a lot of um, boundaries and confinement. You know, I, there's certain things in the last couple of years that have made me want to shift gears completely and just do something wild and free. And I, I already am wild and free, but in a completely different way. But I know that I could not do that within the confines of my business. 
Um, and back in the day when I was trying to figure all this stuff out, I could, and I still had a paycheck, you know, at my day job, but these days I know what I need to do with what I've built and the brand that I've built, um, to pay the bills every month, which, you know, my job supports our family and my husband works with me at this point. So I can take risks, but they have to be very calculated, and that oftentimes doesn't go along with what people perceive art to be. Um, and you know, there's different aspects of the art world that you probably would be able to do that. But what I've built um, for my business and my brand, I know that I can't, and I'm okay with that. I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade anything because the coolest part of it all is flexibility and. Being creative within those confines is enough for me. Like I'm happy with that. So yeah, they can. There's a there's two two sides of the coin when it comes to being a an artist for your job. <laughs> and it's so important to talk about both sides of the coin. Yes, because yes. we don't talk about it and we yeah. don't advertise it and we don't. That's not what we sell when we're right. trying to sell people into the life of being a full time artist. So it's really valuable to not only talk about both sides of the coin, but also the long trajectory that it yeah. was for you. And yeah. honestly, I think pretty much everyone I've interviewed, I, yeah. I can't think of a single person who has just been like, you know what, just overnight, <laughs> I just mm -hmm. have this amazing business. Right, yeah. right. One, one thing, and just looking a little more at this idea of how it's both really flexible and freeing and also restrictive and how before like you are wild and free, but then there's ways that you can't be quite as wild and free. It has to yeah. be a little more strategic. Do you find that you're like, that, that, um, how does that affect the evolution of your art? Um, I mean, it definitely can. I mean, I, I, I do, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far to say that I struggle but it's definitely a creative challenge to allow yourself to evolve within being a business, a creative business owner. So I know what I have to do for my business. And it's really, truly become like any job. I, and I, so, it sounds so weird to say that. But, um, you know, I have to show up. It, my hours don't look the same, but I have, you know, commitments and time I have to take and things I know I have to do that work really well with my audience and my customers. Um, but I also know that it's important creatively, whether you're making money from it or not, um, to always be evolving and exploring and all that stuff. And that's like what gives me like my energy and I'm hyper about it when it comes to creativity. And if I've spent too long, you know, in a stretch, the holidays actually are the stretch that it ends up happening where you're just the grind, the creative grind. Um, where I'm doing the stuff that I know um, we need to do, I start just aching for um, the exploration and the evolution and just doing something different. And I always make time to do that quietly on my own that a lot of times I don't share, I don't pull into my business. Um, maybe once in a while I will, but um, I have to do that because from a business standpoint, my business is not going to evolve and be all over the board the way my brain is creatively. It's just not going to work for business. And I've, I've really had to learn that 
throughout all of this that I can't just jump around to everything, but I want to because that's how my brain is creatively. Um, So I have to schedule and make time for that stuff so that I can feel like even if it's personally, I'm just evolving with my ideas and they may never hit my business, you know, and maybe they will 10 years from now because people will be ready for it. Um, but for me, it can be tricky because there can, it's real easy to fall into a rut or just that trap of just doing the same thing. Um, and I kind of know when it's time to change things up just with my gut for my business. And because I'm in the habit of doing it for myself personally, um, it's easier for me to tap into, okay, it's time to mix it up or shake it up or do something different. Um, and tie the two together. But I have to do it quietly or I'll go nuts. I'll yeah. get bored. <laughs> yes. There's a photographer that I had interviewed and she said at least a couple times a month she will do a shoot that is just for herself where she yeah. gets as yeah. wild as she can because her actual shoots for clients have certain parameters and she just lets herself get as wild as possible to keep exactly what you're saying. Keep that creative energy really flowing. Yeah. It's important. So important. So along the same lines of this idea of keeping that creative energy flowing is I want to move into the idea of the voice because this is all part of not just creating, but developing your voice and helping it evolve. And you had written, I don't, I don't remember when, but you'd written, I don't know if it's the information age that we are living in, but I see a lot of art out there that looks the same. When it comes to being an artist or pursuing a creative career, I think it is great to follow trends and be inspired by others, but it's even more important to find your own voice. And this may take years. For me, this means not looking too much at what is out there. I want my work to feel authentic to my life and my experience, which means I try to spend more time making art than looking at art. Actually, I do remember you wrote that in 2012. And so there's a couple things here. One is this balance between learning from others, looking Mm -hmm. at the art of others, and finding one's own voice. How do you navigate that? And this is like the million dollar question for an artist, I think. And I get asked this all the time. Um, It's tricky to... um, to navigate it, especially now. So I did not grow up with the internet and I made it mostly through college without the internet. (laughs) Um, So I feel really grateful for that at this point because um, it's so easy to hop on anything and find your own style through somebody else or through images. And I remember in college, my painting teacher telling our class, there's nothing that hasn't been done. And this was in the nineties. Um, everything's been done in the art world. Like now moving forward, it's, and I remember feeling so discouraged and like, what? That's, that's sad. Like I want to be an innovator. And, um, but I've always carried that with me and like, well, what if I view this world as a lot of stuff has been done, but how do you put your mark or how do you find your voice within you know, the groundbreaking things that artists long before us really did. And I kind of have that lens. Um, I, I feel like a lot has been done. 
And uh, there's only so many ways you can like recreate certain techniques and certain subject matter and all of that. Um, but if you can find a way to put your own spin, your own twist, your own voice in it, that's where you begin to find like that authenticity and something that looks and feels like like you as the artist. So for me, I just know I'm happier, I'm a better artist, um, I'm more energized when I spend less time looking um, and I spend more time just with my head down. And I've always been that kind of person. I've never fit in to trends. I've, I never, I didn't even fit in in college when I was an art major. I, I, I put my work up to get critiqued and I'd look around the class and go, why does mine look so much weirder than yeah. everybody else's? Um, so I'm kind of used to that feeling for myself of just knowing I put my head down and I get lost in the process and I come up with something that is less about other people's stuff and more about myself and my life. And I always tell people that the more you're in your own life, not on Pinterest, not on Instagram, um, the more you are aware and present at the grocery store of what colors call to you or the more you are present, like I'm always looking at cracks in the sidewalk because I like lines <laughs> and things that occur. Um, the more that you're just present in the things that might even seem boring and everyday stuff in your world, the more you're able to pull those things into your creativity and your authenticity is going to shine through. So there's only one way to create your style and your story, and that is pulling it from your life. And I've had so many people say, well, I don't live in a pretty place, and my life's boring, and all I do is see buildings, and I'm thinking, oh, there's so many opportunities for shapes and colors and just ideas. It's really getting yourself into um, kind of this habit of not looking at technology as the place for that, but, you know, the quiet, simple, boring moments um, in your day-in, day-out life um, for inspiration. And I always use cracks in the sidewalk as that example because I can't tell you how many times I've walked past some sort of concrete and the design in it, and I've gone home and played around with it in my sketchbook, and it's turned into a pattern that I've created on fabric. And so I like people to know that even in the stuff that feels gray and boring and unimportant, you can you can find something that speaks to your experience and what you're seeing every day. And it's hard. Oh my goodness, with the internet, it's so hard. But forcing yourself, sometimes it's almost detoxing from it, um, but literally forcing yourself to step away from it during lengths of time or only giving yourself a certain amount of time. Um, I know that I like to look for trends, but not ideas. So I like to see like what colors are trending this year, and if they fit into what I'm doing, maybe I'll use them, maybe I won't. But if I look for trends and not necessarily ideas, it kind of keeps me personally from falling down the rabbit hole of like straight up copying what other people are doing. And that takes courage. I, it's, when you described putting your head down and then putting your art up in college on display yeah. and going, wait, why, yeah. why does this look weirder than everybody else's? Were you not scared in that? Like, did, what were those moments like for you? Did you just feel oh. a confidence in your art? No, <laughs> I was terrified. <laughs> um, 
and I, I'm a pretty shy person by nature. So no, terrified. I, I, and I was traumatized <laughs> after the fact. Um, but I know now being older and having experiences and having just gone through it over and over again, I really see how important that terror in that moment was. Cause I think it's helped me at this point in my life just have thicker skin and feel brave and just convicted in what I'm creating. Um, and I think it really taught me early on, you know, when I was 18, that my art is not going to look like everybody else's in the class. And no matter how hard I tried, it never did. And I was okay with that. Eventually, it took me some years to get through those critiques. But when you're an art major, there's a lot of them. So they, they really begin to, you kind of get some tough skin by year two of doing it. But um, I was not brave then. And I did it anyway, because you had to for those classes. But now it's really shown me that, you know, I didn't fit in then. And I'm probably not going to fit in now. And that's okay. And that's the best part about creativity and art is we all interpret things in different ways. And I love that. that that's yeah. the best part. Of it. Yeah. It's it's funny because you actually were really brave then because you could yeah. have chosen the option of, okay, I put my art up on the wall. It looks weirder than everybody else's. Now I'm going to start looking at everybody else's art and doing right. more of what they're doing. And you didn't. So yeah. you say you weren't brave, but somewhere in you, you knew this yeah. is the only way I can make my art. Yeah. And it probably, it probably came from that encouragement and my creativity being fostered from such a young age. I, you know, I'm, I wasn't probably the most, I was a very quiet, not anymore, but very quiet, <laughs> shy person. Um, but the one thing I was confident in and probably the only thing my entire life was my art and my creativity. And I think even at 18, even in a situation with an art critique in a classroom, um, I had already had so much encouragement and positivity, like just poured into my creativity. I had already taken classes and done a bunch of stuff at an early age. I got to college and in those situations with confidence, I was still terrified to stand in front of the class with my art, but I really, I, I can definitely thank my parents for doing a really good job building my creative confidence throughout my entire childhood. Because that's the one thing my entire life I look back and go, it's probably the only thing I've been consistently confident and just, it's easy. It feels right. Everything else has been awkward and uncomfortable, <laughs> but that, and that's probably what I was carrying with me into these experiences as well. And it probably helped me get through it maybe a little easier. <laughs> I think the thing that's important to underscore there is the importance, like the power of confidence yeah. of like, here you are, you're going outside of your comfort zone over and over and over again in college, and then really having to look at how art shows up in your life and what it means for you to be an artist and, and all the questioning that went on alongside that and all the doubts and the insecurities. But the one thing, as you say, that was steadfast was your confidence in your creativity. And so to just underscore that when something feels right, when something feels good, to pay attention to that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned the, this idea of 
being really focused around staying off of social media or doing what you need to do to to make your own art and and that's another thing Alyssa that you have not shied away from which is talking about the real mm-hmm. the what people need to do to to make art and one of those things is discipline mm-hmm. and I I have a quote from you where you say I know this sounds totally boring and the opposite of being an artist but over time I have found that the best thing I can incorporate into my daily life as an artist is discipline and we this I actually really struggled with this with the creativity habit because when mm-hmm. I would talk to people about the habit <laughs> of creativity they would just shut down a lot of times yeah. and because we like to think of creativity as just free and spontaneous yeah. and in the moment, you know, it, all about inspiration. And yet there is this piece, this really fundamental piece to creativity that is about the day-to-day discipline. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about how that shows up for you. Like what is your discipline practice around art and any thoughts that you might have around discipline? Well, I'm not a very disciplined person. I am definitely, I have the mentality of an artist. So I'm, I can be by nature. I'm very like, I go by my feelings. Um, and I spent a good portion of my life making art that way, where if I wasn't feeling it, I wouldn't make art. And a lot of those times fell in to college, you know, like I'd have a deadline and I'd go, but I'm not inspired. I don't feel like doing this. And it would be really difficult. (laughs) And then the times that I was inspired, it would come easy. Um, And then I carry kind of these bad habits with me of, of just kind of going fancy free with my art and my feelings um, into my day jobs. And um, so, you know, I go for weeks on end um, working for, you know, my cubicle and not making art just because I didn't feel like it. I'd get home and go, I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I've been working all day. I don't want to do this right now. And I went through a little spell. It wasn't too long, but probably a good year of just being real sporadic um, because I lacked discipline. And again, it all came down to, um, really feeling like I need art in my life every single day and eventually I want to work for myself and the only way to get to that goal is to be disciplined and somehow because it's not me by nature I almost reprogrammed my brain with just setting these tiny tiny goals Um, they started tiny and got bigger and bigger with just discipline every day so if I only had 10 minutes to draw I would draw for 10 minutes Um, even if I was working my two jobs and I got home and I was tired, I would just force myself, even if that drawing was circles over and over again or scribbles, um, or I'd fit it into my lunch breaks. Um, I really began to see that having that discipline, I needed to figure it out before I had my dream job of being a full-time artist. Cause what would happen if I was self-employed and I wasn't feeling it? I, that doesn't work. And I knew that that probably wouldn't work. And so I just really, in my earlier working years, forced myself, and I, I purposely use the word force, and it's a terrible word to use that goes with art. But, you know, even on the days I wasn't feeling it, I would do it anyway. And over probably the span of about six months, I realized, like, okay, this is this is just comes down to discipline. It doesn't come down to emotions. I can make art 
anytime, anywhere, no matter what I'm feeling. I just have to kind of transcend <laughs> the bad attitude or the bad day at work or feeling like I have no time and just make it happen. And even if it's not a work of art, even if it's scribbles on a page, it's it counts. It counts for me stopping and tapping into something in that moment. And over that six months to a year of juggling that mentality with my jobs, I just, it changed everything. And I'm like, I never looked back. It was always viewed for me moving forward, even though I'm emotional and I love the moments when I make art where I am just feeling it, like I'm buzzing um, when I'm doing it. And then there's other times I don't get that feeling at all but I do it anyway, just like I work out anyway, just like I eat healthy anyway, like all the stuff that makes me feel good. I'm not always feeling it. And art is just one more of those things that I have to have that mentality with. And now it's just a, ha a complete habit that I have a lot of discipline about that's really come in handy for being a business owner because I have flexibility and I wake up so many days not feeling it. Um, but because I'm used to that discipline, that goes along with creativity, I it's it's I know how to go through the motions and kind of get myself back in some good <laughs> good mindset um, because I'm so used to um, that discipline now. But it took me a while to get that. It was my early 20s that I really it clicked for me. I had lots of bad habits, lots of you know waiting to the last minute and waiting till I was inspired to make something instead of just really working through it and when I un when I kind of reprogrammed and unwired <laughs> my my artistic flakiness um I really it changed my entire journey um because I've been very very disciplined about making art building a business following through and just doing it for the sake of doing it not because my artistic emotions tell me to so yeah. Do you notice yeah. any difference in your art when you're making art from the place of this is just what I need to do to, wow, I'm like buzzing, I'm feeling it? Um, you know what? No. And I think that, uh, no, I don't. Um, the only difference is that buzzing feeling. Um, but no, it's pretty much the same. And I think I figured that out real quickly like oh wait a second all it takes is just starting and once you're in the moment just doing something it, it's getting you to the next point it's either practice or working on something that eventually will bring that buzzing feeling um and I, I just know that if I spend two days scribbling I know maybe the third day I'm just going to be looser and that that happy buzzy feeling will come quicker because I've, I've been in the zone and I keep doing it every day. So no, I haven't noticed the difference between the two. It's all my mind. It's all in my mind, I think. <laughs> and again, this is so important because we can lock ourselves into certain belief patterns that totally limit what yeah. we end up doing with our life. Because one, we think if I'm not feeling it, then I'm not going to create something that is going to be really like, yeah true to who I am or whatever it's just going to be this forced thing and so I have to be feeling it and and then not actually make stuff because maybe right. it takes we, we only feel it once every couple of weeks or right. you know and it's just not enough 
for us to actually create something. The other thing that you said that I think is so important, Alyssa, is this idea of you wake up in the morning and there are mornings where you're not always feeling it. And there's a myth out there that says when we do what we love, we're going to wake up every morning excited to jump into the day. And that's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. So can you say speak to that a little bit? Because I think that gets put out there a lot and it can yeah. lead to a lot of actually guilt and feeling yeah. like we're doing something wrong because we're not waking up ready to leap into the day, totally excited about whatever it is we're about to do. Right. And the myth too of when you do what you love, life is perfect and you're happy finally. And that's not true either. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I've lived both sides of it. So I've lived the side of not doing what I love for many, many years and just going through the grind um, and still having to be a happy person and a creative person and, and striving at that. And then I've lived the other side of I do what I love every single day. And you know what? I feel the same as I feel. <laughs> I'm going to totally crush people. <laughs> no, it's important. I, I think it's I actually more empowering than disempowering. I, I, I feel like it's the same struggle, the same journey, no matter what you're doing. If you're working a nine-to-five job and you're not present in your life, you're not doing things outside of your job that fill you up and, um, you know, are things that are passion projects or you're not giving to others or doing those things, you're going to be probably not fulfilled and a little bit unhappy. And the same goes if you are running your dream business. Um, If I just have my head on the computer and I'm just working 24-7, even on art, and I'm not tapping into all the other stuff that keeps me balanced and happy, like my family, um, nature, all kinds of things that don't have to do with art, I'm still not happy and it doesn't feel like a dream life. So I think it's like this really, yeah, even if you're doing what you love, it is going to feel like a job. And I always have to step back and just kind of go, because I have my moments and my, my seasons where I just go, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is not fun. This is like a lot of work right now. I miss paid vacation. I miss um, health insurance through my job. (laughs) Like I, you know, and I, and I start going and I have to step back and go this, I'm passionate about this. I wouldn't trade it to go back in time, but it is a job. And the minute you have to pay bills with something, it turns into work. And it's tricky to, to juggle that and navigate it. But I think it's important for people to hear that even your dream job, <laughs> that's the key word in quotations, even your dream job um, ends up feeling just like it would if you were working a regular job. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that's not fun. Um, but at the end of the day, I think when you're doing something that you're passionate about, Um, that's like the game changer, whether it's working for someone else um, or working for yourself in some dream. So I think the only way to escape that is not doing something for money. Um, And that's why I think it's important, even if you are working your dream job like I am and paying the bills with it, that you have things quietly that don't have to do with money, that fill you up, that, you know, don't have to do with, the number sign for every month and that kind of thing. And 
that was what my reality was when I worked a day job, and that's what my reality is now. So when I worked a day job, it was my art that brought that to my life and helped me not have such a terrible attitude when I went to my cubicle every day. And in my life now, um, it's my daughter, it's my husband, it's my photography hobby, it's cooking. Those are all things that I don't make money off of and I don't need to answer to anybody about that keep me happy and engaged and loving making art for a living. So I hope that makes sense. Yes, the other thing that I love about that is sometimes when we do those other things, like the photography and the cooking, we can think, oh no, I'm wasting my time because I should be working or I should. And so to phrase it that way is like, no, it's not a waste at all. It's actually what's putting gas into the tank. It's what's allowing you to keep going. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Another thing that you said, Alyssa, is that even when you have your dream job, it doesn't mean that life is easier. And so I want to touch on something that is personal, but since you shared it on Instagram and you have a large number of people who read your, your posts, I, I feel like it's okay to, to bring it up now. Um, and so, and I'm, it's also, I'm going to frame it in terms of your art, but let me share it first, Yeah. which is you wrote the, and this is pretty recent. The last yeah. couple of years have been messy and rough in my personal life. As many of you know, I had my first miscarriage in January of 2016 and went on to have two more this year. The most recent was in July. I've been quietly suffering from a broken heart, shattered confidence, and pure anger at my body. I have been physically and mentally rocked all while running a business that supports our family. And while there's so much good stuff this year, it's also been one of the darkest and hardest chapters in my life. I've struggled with grief, fear, disappointment, confusion, doubt, anger, whacked out hormones, and for the first and for the first time in my life, I've hated my body for failing me. Needless to say, it's been a messy process trying to recover from these losses. And then you finish by saying, I want you to know that even in the darkness, even in grief and in the mess, there can be joy, there can be healing, and there is hope. My question to you around this is, how has going into such darkness and then starting to come out of it affected your art? Gosh, I don't, you know, I honestly, I've thought about this a lot for the because I'm kind of I'm now on the other side of it a little bit for the most part. Um, So I've really thought a lot about it. Honestly, I don't know if it affected my art. I think my art and running my business and, and doing something that I do love, I think that might've been one of my safety nets in the whole time frame of everything. So um, I, I've been through lots of challenges in my life, but I will say that I probably didn't think I was strong enough to overcome these types of challenges while running a business and while having to be creative. And I think because of my discipline that I already had incorporated into my art and my business, um, as well as just having to show up. Um, in a different kind of way, you know, I, I can think of the last year going through this stuff going, man, if I had a day job, I could call in sick right now and I could just lay in bed and just do nothing. Um, but 
what I do doesn't enable me to do that and didn't even through these experiences. And now in hindsight, even though there were some moments where I'm like, I literally want to lay in bed for like the next month. <laughs> and I didn't, <laughs> I got up that day um, and kept going. I think it wasn't the experiences affecting my art. I think my art almost pulled me through and um, it's a weird, I, I talked about this on Instagram too in one of my live stories recently where I said it's been really weird to navigate this darkness and loss while literally at the same time wanting and still needing to put inspiration out in the world to make pretty stuff and those two things literally happening at the same time. And it's taught me and I don't think I knew this before, and I don't know why I didn't. I should have, because it feels really simple at this point, but those two things can exist together, that bad, dark experiences can absolutely be happening while you are moving forward, while you're making art, while you're having that buzz in the studio, while you're painting, while you're going through this hard stuff. And I don't know that my art was affected. I almost feel like this time around, and there's been other stuff in my life my art has affected, but this time around in this experience, I think my art kind of pulled me through. And even being a business owner pulled me through because it was a little bit of an anchor in everything, knowing I got to get up today. I got to show up. Yeah. I got to show up and I got to paint, or I got to show up, I got to film a class, or I got to take pictures. And those are already things in my life that I love and they come easy to me and they fill me up and they fulfill me. And the fact that I have to show up and do that every day, I think while going through this stuff, um, just maybe helped me maybe move a little quicker than I would have if I could have called in sick yeah. <laughs> for a month or something like that. Um, so my art hasn't changed because again, it's that piece where I know what I need to do in order to, make classes and what people want to learn from me. So I haven't, you know, I can't go dark with my art in my business. Um, and I know that, and I know I have to have discipline. And so those things have definitely carried me through all of it, but it's been very bizarre. That would be, a, it's been a weird way that to, to manage both things. And I, you know, I'm coming out the other end going, wow, I don't know that I realize that light and darkness can truly be existing in the same moment together. Like there's space for those two things happening at the same time. And it's kind of blown my mind, like how just complicated and beautiful life <laughs> this journey is really right. crazy. Yeah. Glennon Doyle Melton calls it brutal. The, yes. the, you know, oh, the, yeah. right. And I remember, uh, a long time ago, I lived at a Zen center and the Zen teacher, I was in a session with him, private session, and he said to me, can you feel the joy in the moment? And I said, yes, yeah. And he said, and do you feel the sadness too? Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, and when he asked that, I realized I could feel both. And he said, they are always both there. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's so beautiful. True. That's an amazing lesson. Very amazing yeah. lesson for you to learn. So uh, I have one more thing that I'll touch on before we wrap up and I do the last two parts of the interview. Okay. And that is you were talking about 
this goes back to 2010, so a while ago, but this was a mm-hmm. year that your business really started to take off. And you mm-hmm. said that this was the year you decided to go in a specific direction with your blog and that and your business, and this changed everything. And then at another point, you say, I set a lot of goals. I got really serious about growing my blog, teaching as much as I could, made lots of art, said yes to every opportunity that came my way. This was the year that readership opportunities and growth happened really fast. So I I wanted to touch on briefly the power of goal setting in Mm -hmm. creating the business and the, the in creating your dream job because that can be a little tricky for us sometimes so yeah. just how that was then and what role it plays in your life now um back then i was still i, I don't know if i had already i think i had quit in 2000 yeah i was already working for myself um back then you know i i mean i hate to be this blunt, but you know, a lot of my goals with creativity and art have to do with paying bills. <laughs> that keeps coming up in this in my answers. Um, so, depending on you know, back then we had a mortgage. My husband was still working his job. We had plans. Um, so, a lot of my goals literally were based on what we needed in order to survive every month and be okay especially after I had eventually finally quit my, my day jobs. Um, so a lot of those goals, I was looking for obviously what would fit my creativity and what I enjoyed doing, but also were ways that I could create income that also fit what I was doing in my creativity. So I, I didn't, my daughter, no, my daughter wasn't born then. It was 2010. Um, I started setting I started just casting the net like as far as I possibly could um, for a a handful of years where I was just like, okay, I'm going for it. I'm just going to try everything and see what comes back. Um, And I learned through that process that putting yourself out there, setting goals that are crazy and setting goals that are just normal um, really can bring a lot of good stuff your way. And if you don't try, if you don't set that goal and go after it, you're never going to know. Um, and having like when you cast that net wide, like let's say you, you apply or you put yourself out there for 10 opportunities, let's say five come back. Five is way more than one. So I really liked that feeling of the confidence that it built in me of going, wow, I reached out and sent emails to 10 people and five people said, yes, um, made me feel really confident, but it also made me realize that you can have more than one goal going on at the same time. And because I did that, kind of everything hit all at once. And it's just helped me along the way see that that goal setting tied with discipline, because again, it can be scary to reach out to somebody or try something new or apply for something, but you're just never gonna know if you don't do it. And I've learned just over and over again by having really great things happen for me um, that a goal and just making yourself do it even though you're scared or nervous um, or maybe it feels like it doesn't even make sense in your life um, 
it's really important in growth and just kind of getting the ball rolling. And for me, the ball got rolling the minute I did that stuff. So um, even though I was disciplined and I was doing a lot of other, other things to kind of try to grow and discover how I wanted to build a business, it really wasn't until I was like, okay, Alyssa, it's time to get brave. It's time to put yourself out there. And we're not just going to do one little goal a year. We're going for the full shebang. We're going just put yourself out there and good things came back really, really quickly and enabled me to kind of build this momentum um, in my business. And those goals didn't always look like other people. You know, some of them were just personal art growth goals of this year. My goal is to sketch every day so I can be a better teacher or, you know, and sometimes it was emailing for an opportunity. So they can look like all kinds of stuff. Um, but for me, it's that same, it falls in the line with that same category as discipline. Discipline and goals go together for me personally, where um, the more you set, the more possibility there is out there um, for something to change, for something to grow. And I, because I'm not a disciplined person by nature, have to use that discipline even with my goal setting. Um, and all those good experiences I've had make that goal setting process a lot easier for me when I do do it. Do you, and you still do it today? Every day. I have goals for every day. And sometimes I meet them and sometimes I don't. But yeah, I, I, it's still a huge part. And at this point, I've set my business up where it's really good and stable. It, I, I don't necessarily need the growth I needed back then has happened and I'm in a good space and I know that there'll be a time where I might need more and to change and evolve. Um, and I know goals will come into that, but yeah, I set goals for every day. Um, and these days they're just like small accessible goals, but it's, again, it's that, it's that it, it almost tricks my brain. It's that accountability to creativity and my dreams and that discipline all going into a goal. So even if it's like, Today I'm going to take six pictures of paintbrushes or something like that. Um, even if it's something you know small like that, if I can cross that off my list or that goal is met, it just keeps me confident and keeps that discipline in me going. So that tomorrow, when I have to do something bigger, like you know, email a licensing agent, I have the confidence and kind of the discipline to just be, just go for it. <laughs> That's excellent. Excellent. Okay. So as we wrap up to be able to check out Alyssa's art, you can go, there's two places that I'm going to direct you. One is her website, which is Alyssa Burke, and that's A-L-I-S-A-B-U-R-K-E dot blogspot.com. That's the website. And there there's art, there's classes, there's courses, there's the writing, there's a lot at the website. So you can find everything that you might want to find about Alyssa's work at her website. And also there's Instagram where Alyssa, as you can see, communicates very, shares a lot of your, she shares a lot of her art and also personal sharings. And that's Alyssa K. Burke. That's the Instagram handle. And those will both be up on the web website on, on the page. Uh, so the last two things, the first is the gratitude. And one thing I have been struck by this throughout the entire interview. So one thing about interviewing people is 
you never know going into the interview how the other person is going to show up. And you just got to hope that they show up as honestly and as much as themselves and willing to share as possible. And Alyssa, <laughs> you are, you have shown up, showed up so honestly, like it's clearly just who you are, but I have been so impressed with your level of honesty, your willingness to share and to share from your heart and to share what is true. And that is such a gift because you were saying at one point, like, oh, you don't want to bring people down. But it's the most empowering thing we can do for people, mm-hmm. I think, is share the truth of what something looks like, what a life looks like, and just who we are to share our truth. So thank you so much for your honesty. Oh, thank you. That's that's a very nice compliment. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. And then the last question, the final question is, why do you think it's important that people make their thing? Oh, why do I? Gosh, well, I mean, I just fully believe that um, making, creating, and whatever that looks like to you or whoever is doing it, it's just such a profound process and experience, whether you're doing it for money or you're just doing it quietly for yourself. I think that um, when you are making, um, you have the ability to, uh, there's so much that can happen in a moment of creativity where you're processing, you can work through things, make discoveries. Um, I just think it's so important whether somebody out there considers themselves creative or not, um, to possibly somehow find a way to incorporate that into their life because really, really profound discoveries can show up um, when you are least expecting it, um, when you have that aspect in your life. So I guess that would probably be, and it's hard to put a, it's hard to put a label and even words on that for me personally, because it's so natural. Um, It's a natural occurrence for me, but I just know that, um, really important stuff can happen if you make space in your life um, for that making and creating. Great. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Thank you. It's been great. I'm Daphne Cohn, and you've been listening to the Creativity Habit Podcast. Head on over to thecreativityhabit.com to read this week's profile, rituals, routines, and day in the life of journal maker Nicole Annette. To read about the daily routines and practices of artists and makers, go to thecreativityhabit.com. You can follow The Creativity Habit on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, please go to iTunes Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And then join me next week for another Creativity Habit podcast. Thank you for listening.